The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. To find more podcasts like this, please check out professionalcasual.com. As a special thanks to all of our patrons, we are giving away one item from the Professional Casual Network store at teespring.com slash stores slash professional casual. All you have to do to enter is be a patron. That can be as little as a dollar a month. And every month we will give away an item of your choice from the store. Follow us at patreon.com slash professional casual. I also want to give a quick shout out to our friends Alexa and Cynthia at the Within the Pages podcast where they talk about specifically YA fantasy, which is what we're talking about here, what we're telling here. They focus on reviews and kind of deep dives into YA fantasy. The third episode was a really cool one about just things that they had read or recommend or they were going to read soon, which was really cool to get an idea of what other things are out there if you're into fantasy and just cool stories. So you check out Within the Pages with Alexa and Cynthia. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Big Fiction Energy. Episode 15. Episode 15. Yeah. I mean, they're the same, whichever way you want to look at it. Yeah. I'm excited. You're excited. Feel these nipples. (laughs) One of the best lines from basketball. The classic Americana. (laughs) Oof. Sports movie. I love referencing that movie in class and kids just look at me like they have no idea what I'm talking about because they don't. Because... That was like a minor hit when we were kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> I look at you the same way when you reference it. What? You never saw basketball? No. You're not uh, missing a lot. Real good, though. It was okay. <laughs> that definitely had some funny parts. Being by the same guys that did South Park, so. Yeah. That kind of humor. But we're back with chapter 15 called Mansha. I said I'm excited for this one because this portion of the book, while we're in set, I find interesting. <laughs> I feel like I say about every part of it, but that's really good (laughs) because I know what's coming and I'm really excited for it. Yeah. And the whole idea of the mansha, I, I just think it's cool. We'll see more about that. No, I do think it's, you know, um, you've been, it's been kind of like a steady incline of world building for you where like we started out in Gaul with the city and it was very like futuristic. And then in the wilds where, you know, it's like, especially where we live, like you look outside and there's nature and trees like, okay, but this is very different. Like a a whole like compound inhabited by primals and only primals. Yeah. We haven't really seen a lot of, you know, primal action yet. So. No, I purposely didn't include a ton of primals before getting to set Mm -hmm. because I did want it to seem a bit different. Like we had Nash and a few primals lived in the the slums outside of Gaul, but yes. other yeah. than Brutus, it's it was supposed to be very different from what we've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see like what happened. I mean, I know what happens because I read the book, but it's like the first one to read the book, so we're suckers. Um, but it is exciting to think of like what will happen. And see some more interactions between, you know, especially with Lanny, because she's such a dingus. I don't know the nicest way to put it. She's very abrasive. And so it'll be interesting to see how she deals with like, you know, these primals who probably are very traditional and have a lot of traditional roles and stuff like that. She's just like, why are you doing that? That's dumb. <laughs> so I think abrasive is a pretty good. Yeah. 
But it's like out of naivete. Like, it's not like she's just a jerk and she's like, well, this is how you do stuff and I don't care. She's literally like, why are you doing that? She just doesn't know. Right. She's, I always try to explain to my kids, like ignorant is a very, like it has a very negative connotation. But in this instance, she's ignorant. She just doesn't know. Oh, for sure. Just like Scotty. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. Someday somebody's going to message us or like send an email and be like, who is the Scotty you keep talking about? Could you guys please stop with the inside jokes? We'll just have to send them a link to a YouTube video of it or something. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Damon's greatest role, by the way. Was he in the music video for that? He was the singer of it. Yeah. Oh. He was the one who Scotty didn't know about. Oh. It was like Matt Damon with a shaved head in a punk rock outfit. Interesting. I've never actually seen the music video. I've heard the song a few times, but... It used to come up on, oh, because I would listen to the Offspring radio a lot on Pandora, yeah. so it came up all the time. Who was it by? Oh. I can't remember. Offspring radio? I'm going to look it up. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a one-hit wonder kind of thing. It was like a yeah. minor hit as well. Uh, speaking of what's coming up. And time out. It's by Lustra. Well, yeah. I, no I would not have known that. Never heard of that. I like yeah. their shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to say, speaking of things that are coming up, I'm excited for hearing from listeners about events coming up because I got a message the other day from a listener who gets apparently he gets very invested in characters and then those characters get dead. Who's this? Taylor. Oh, yeah. (laughs) A listener. He actually actually messaged all of us in a group chat and he said he just finished uh, Revelations, which I believe was chapter 12. Yeah. I got really confused because all he said was, I just finished Revelations and a big thumbs up and I was like, are you reading the Bible? What are you talking about? <laughs> like what? Totally forgot that was the name of one of the chapters. Just some light reading. And then he was like, he was mad. <laughs> he did. He yeah. said some very um, unkind things to you in a very politically correct way though. I, no, <laughs> no. I mean the first time he said it, it was very politically correct. And then he elaborated. Yep. Yeah. And then he added some four letter words. And then I said, yay, I'm so glad I got an emotional response. <laughs> He said, um, I was doing all right for most of it. Then he had to go do Dasta and Nash dirty like that. And then a bunch of crying faces. I, mean, <laughs> I literally wrong. yelled no when Nash died. He's just so innocent. Mm. And that, Tim's response, he said, he's eating slop in heaven now. <laughs> so knowing you and how cruel you are, you're like, there is no heaven in this world. <clears throat> like, thanks a lot. But it's just. I really appreciate that kind of stuff. And like he was upset about it. But like I've said before, I feel like that means I'm doing my job as a writer to elicit a response like that. He cared about those characters, even though they weren't in it very long. We didn't get to know them that well. Yeah. He still liked them enough Mm -hmm. that he's upset. They were still likable. And I think a lot of it, too, is that that family unit that you built around those characters with Cass and Dasta. I think it also doesn't hurt that he actually GM the game that those characters were based on the true the, the Dungeons and Dragons game that those characters were kind of based on. Yeah. So he may have had an, an extra special connection to him, but that doesn't mean he gets <laughs> any royalties from book sales. Sorry, Taylor. Yeah. Cause it's, it's inspired by, it's not an exact right. copy yeah. except for Nash. That was my character anyway. What, what class was Nash? I believe he was a ranger. Okay. Cause I remember he used his cross, but he used a crossbow a lot. Yeah. I think he was a ranger. What was, was Dasta a party member too? Dasta was based off of Dan Asta's character. Oh, that's right. Who right. was a monk who specialized in grappling. Okay. Dart was a Warforged, which is why I had her covered in armor all the time because Warforged didn't really fit Yeah. in this world. And then 
Ortho was based off a character whose name was Orthelin, who was a necromancer. But okay. he was like hiding the fact that he was a necromancer. So like he was a wizard that was like a necromancer on the down low. That's yeah. really cool. <laughs> I That's really that fun. But that actually leads into my question for this episode really well. What is your favorite core D&D or Pathfinder class of the base 12? I mean, Pathfinders base 12 are different. No, they're not. In Pathfinder 2, they are because it adds Alchemist and uh, something else. But it's okay. Alchemist isn't my answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's a bonus question here. Yeah. Quick. Also, aside, what was your what's your favorite? What was your first character class you ever played as that you can remember? The very first time I played D&D, it was the 3-0 base set mm. that my friend had gotten. And I played Lita, who I believe was a halfling rogue. Sounds right. I have no idea. You remember what your first? What was the no. first class that you remember playing? I probably a cleric. Probably, <laughs> yeah. I tend to stick with like in D and D. I'm typically a cleric, and then in like Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, I always played some kind of like charlatan, dilettante. Your first character in that was a priestess of Shalia. Yeah, which is a cleric essentially. Basically, you yep. you could heal stuff. <laughs> yeah, I felt I always felt very comfortable as that. I'm trying to think because I've been doing D&D since I was like seven. Right. All, all my dad stuff. And I found like a little mini and he let me have it. And it was just this chick with long hair. I'm pretty sure she was an elf. I was probably an elven cleric. That sounds like something kid me would want to do. Mm. You know, like I'm going to heal things. And I can follow rules. And this sounds like the best. Yes. And I probably have, you probably had a mace to hit things with. I feel like you always had a mace. I always had a mace. Yeah. I'm a big mace fan. I do think I maybe played AD&D once and I was a half orc barbarian and I had a club and I had no idea what I was doing and I just wanted to play Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> but the guy who was running the Dragon Ball Z game was running a D&D game instead that day. So they just kind of threw me in and I had like starting gold or whatever for level two or three. And I thought it was a lot of money. So I was just yeah. buying everyone food. <laughs> what was I in that game? I can't remember because we played so often when my dad DM'd. What was that game? And Jess was the druid, and we found those big like beetle butt hats. The beetle butt hats. They were these beetles, these fire giant beetles. fire beetles, and they were enormous, and their butts glowed. So we like put them on as hats. Like we killed the beetles and wore their butts as hats because it glowed so that we could see. Right. It was like torches that you wore on your head. It was actually a really good idea. Yeah. Was that the first game we played? Because I, I remember that was the classic Jess's druid tried to charm a wolf in a bitter hand. <laughs> and she her weapon was a giant fork. No, that was in the WFRP oh, game was she it? played in. Yeah, okay. I couldn't remember. I remember you drawing a comic for camp for our zine once that had a character that was failing an animal empathy check and got bit by a wolf. <laughs> yep. Based on a real oh, event and a real yay. game. <laughs> That's very funny. I'm sure I was a cleric, though. I don't know. I don't remember. My probably. dad never let us do anything cool. You know, we always started at level one. We would play. Yeah. We played like AD&D modules that he would kind of. I don't know what the word is. I want to say upscale, but yeah. retrofit two, three, five. Yeah. And we used some computer program to create our characters. So we could only use the options that were on that were just basically the core things. Yeah. I do remember one time I played a centaur. I remember that. And it was awful. So the level adjustment on that's like. Plus four, right? Yeah, we, that those times we played it at like three or four. Yeah, yeah. because and we had to for me to play a centaur. Were we somewhere icy? So we did the, we did it twice. Purchased. We tried two different <laughs> modules when I played this centaur. The first one was 
they were like, we started on like this frozen, this boat that was like stuck out in the middle of a frozen lake or something. And the whole thing was covered in ice. He had to constantly make reflex saves to stand upright. And he gave me an extra penalty because I had hooves and not feet. Yeah. So I tried to make the argument that I have more feet, so it should be easier and it didn't work. So I spent the whole time just flailing about trying to stand. Uh I remember that was not fun. And then the second time we tried it, the adventure was up in a giant like tree house. So he couldn't. climb. So I couldn't just climb a ladder to get up there. And I'm like, why did you choose these when you knew I was a centaur? You make it impossible for my character. I think he was like penalizing me for yes. playing a centaur instead of just telling me, no, don't play a centaur. That's too difficult. That definitely but sounds I just like wanted something to my dad play something do. cool. Yep. I mean, he had to teach you, honestly. Yep. But I did it again. Well, obviously, <laughs> you didn't learn. obviously you didn't learn. So if they had centaurs in Pathfinder 2. I would play it for that game, but they don't have those yet. I mean, bigger monster races like that that have massive level adjustments, they generally don't. I mean, they have it in 5e for D&D. Right, but 5e doesn't really have rules. It's just kind of like, eh, do whatever you want. Feelings are magic. Right. So that, (laughs) yeah, I want to play a centaur again and actually do something. Yeah. So um, we did a good job of not answering the question. What's your favorite class? Um, Rogue Monk Sorcerer. Nope. That's three. Uh... A multi-class rogue monk sorcerer. (laughs) (laughs) You're level one. You have to pick one class to start as. What's your favorite to do that with? Uh, I don't know. Ranger. That's not even one of the three you just listed. (laughs) I like all the base classes except for barbarian. You don't like barbarian? And bard. Yeah. That's surprising. Nobody likes bard. Yeah. Bard kind of sucks. Yeah. I feel like there's other things they could have put in there that are way cooler. Yeah. And Barbarian, I don't like meat tanks that have nothing going on. Like, they rage. Oh, yeah, cool. I can do the <laughs> one thing I can already do just slightly more harder. Okay. It's boring. So Ranger's your favorite class? Ranger's a great one. I love animal companions. They get a little magic. They get a little martial stuff. They they get a little bit of everything, which I appreciate. Mm. And I certainly don't shy away from the vine casting stuff. So Fair. But I don't like prepared spellcasters like wizards and clerics. Or like you only have so many spells that you have access to? No, where you have to wake up and choose what spells you're going to potentially use that day. Yeah, I don't like that mechanic, so I never play spellcasters. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't yeah. understand. Just go sorcerer. Sorcerer spell slots is so much better. You know these spells, you can cast these as long as you have spells left. Versus, I think I'm a wizard, I prepared one magic missile and two webs and one tensor's floating disc. And we didn't have anything to web or tensor's floating disc, so I had my one magic missile and no other spells I could use that day. That's dumb. I hate it. cantrips. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. Depending on the edition, too, the cantrips were useless, because just recently, in more recent editions, that they made, like, Acid Splash or Ray of Frost into cantrips that you could actually use more than once. Yeah, fair. I think I'll be playing a bard soon. I'm pretty sure they have the same kind of thing as a sorcerer. Yeah. Where it's the spell more, slots. Yeah. And they can yep. just cast whatever spells, which would be hard to keep track of. I'll figure it out. No, you're going to be a spells per day. It's going to be easy. You have these spells. You get three spells a day. Done. Do it. Yeah. Send it. So I'm looking at this article from a website called Kotaku. Kotaku. That's what I yep. thought I saw. From How there. to choose your D&D character class. Should we um, take, is it a quiz? Can we all take the quiz right now? It's not a quiz, but uh, we could take there are like basics like what do you yeah. like? Um, so it says bards are for people who love to role play and enjoy talking their way out of problems. They're a good class for natural born storytellers who don't play D&D for the combat. So and I think that's my issue with bard is every single character I play is that. And I don't want right. to be limited right. to so true. 
I don't want to be limited by uh, stats to role play. Yeah. Well, Danny's looking that up. I'm going to go out and, uh, and say my favorite is Monk. I love Monk. Which yeah. I'm surprised Tim didn't say. It happened to be my first character ever. I was Frank the Monk. He was a half orc monk. Yeah. <laughs> and he was awful. He <laughs> was so bad. I had a quarter staff because I didn't understand that they're actually better with no weapons, at least in 3 0. Yeah. Was the first thing that we played. And his basic job was to open the door in the dungeon we were going through, find out what monster was inside, probably take the first hit, and then maybe try to do a little bit of damage with his stick. Because, you know, 3 0, you had like plus two to attack. Right. So we missed most of the time anyway. Pathfinder added a, a hybrid class called Brawler that was half fighter, half monk. That sounds awesome. Um, and the cool thing they did that made it really unique was, you know how fighters get the bonus fees all the time? Yeah. Um, instead of those, you got this pool where you could just manifest certain martial feats on the fly, nice. but only for a certain number of rounds. So you could just kind of walk into a fight as a brawler and be like, oh, it's a big quadruped thing. I'm just going to use my feats once a day to learn a bunch of stuff about, you know, disarming or dismantling armor or smashing stuff. It was really cool. Or combat reflexes. So you were kind of like a one size fits all. Could you like punch sunder things? Yeah. Oh, that sounds awesome. I want to yeah. do that. I want to be a centaur that punches things and they break. So that was <laughs> my, that whole character's <laughs> shtick was like he would go in as like, oh, is this something I can trip? Sweet. And he'd take all these trip feats and would just lock people down. And it became hugely problematic. And I was told I cannot play that class anymore. <laughs> Does not surprise me at all. <laughs> um, and that was the first time I was like, all right, I'm no longer going to try to min max. I'm going to purposefully put it at like 80 percent. Like I'm going to ratchet myself down nice about 20 percent, about a quarter of the way down so that I can when I'm yelled at for doing things that are ruining people's plans. Be like, well, look, it could be so much worse. And I specifically chose not to. <laughs> I like it. All right, Danny, you got any kind of answer for us yet? Hang on. Oh, geez. This is so no, no, I don't have this. Is Why is this good? 140 questions on this quiz. That's way too many questions. Too There's many. only 12 classes to choose from. I know. I guess 13 if you count the alchemist from Pathfinder 2. Yeah. I mean, Bard seemed kind of cool, but again, that's kind of like the dilettante charlatan from WFRP that I always play. Well, that makes sense if that's what you <clears> like. <throat> that's your favorite class. That's what I always play. That's why in our other, our actual play podcast, Grim Podcast and Perilous Adventure, I didn't go with something like that. Right. I went with a soldier. Because I've never, I never do like the fighter class. So if you were like, hey, we're going to play a D&D game, what do you want to play? I'd be like, I want to be a fighter this time. Cool. And that's... The best answer you're going to get out of me for that question. I mean, that's a much more succinct answer than we usually get. That's true. Wasn't half the classes. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. What? It's a big decision. If you don't want answers like this, don't ask such hard questions. I, I mean, they're not really difficult. They just I, I ask questions to try to foster some discussion. Good job. Worked out really well that Tim brought up D&D stuff. Yeah, I was like. Did he not have one prepared and he just brought that up or did I just happen to land on what we were going with? No, I wrote it down right here. It says favorite core D&D slash Pathfinder class. It does say that. Yeah, he was like, can I write on this receipt? <laughs> I was like, sure. high tech here at BFE. <laughs> and then he was like, don't look at it. I was like, well, now I want to look at it. Shoot. No looking. Okay. So super quick recap before we jump into chapter 15. Yes. Uh, in case people are, you know, two weeks between you're listening as they come out. If you're 
binging it afterwards then I'm sure you remember, but the group got to set, as we said before, the city, it's a walled city of only primals. They're allowed to stay for a little while, kind of recoup. uh, And it's kind of expected that they continue on their way before long. But here it's safe in the walls. And Brutus learned that there is a group of minotaurs living here that he wants to go meet because he's never met another minotaur before. I was just going to say that. Yeah, he's never, never met another one. That's crazy. Yeah, and all of Gaul and everything. He's never seen another Minotaur. Ugh, I'm going to cry. It's because they eat most of them, right? Eat the Minotaurs? Yeah. I hope not. They're oh. so meaty. Right. Mm. I mean, you would get a lot. I, I mean, they're mean. like cow people, so. Right. Oh, man. Bull. A minnow burger. Stop. Minnow burger? No, we need Sorry. to get to the, act okay. of the chapter 15 <laughs> mancha before we. Uh, a double tar with cheese, animal style. Hit the thing, will you? <laughs> How does one find the Minotaurs here? Brutus asked Hall as he exited the den. Minotown is in the far east corner on the other side of the river. Just keep heading in that direction. Hall pointed towards the barrow. You won't miss it. They'll be glad to see you. Never seen a minnow from outside Minotown before. Thank you much. I'm glad to see them as well. Brutus shook the lupine's paw and started off. He wondered if it was too late, but didn't think so. He'd always been a bit of a night owl, needing little sleep, and felt that other Minotaurs likely would be too. As he made his way back through set towards Minotown, he noticed that he was still getting the same looks as he did when he was with the humans. At that time, he assumed because they were not primals, but apparently Minotaurs were as rare as humans in set. Outsiders ain't welcome here, even if you is a primal. Brutus stopped short and looked down to see a hedgehog primal all bristled up, pointing at him. The primal only came up to Brutus's large chest and wasn't nearly as intimidating as it must have thought it was. I am only a guest. I don't mean to move in. An intruder, you mean? I'm on my way to meet distant relatives. Excuse me, please. He walked around the hedgehog slowly and continued on. There are always some like this, he thought as he made his way to Minotown. Brutus walked slowly, purposefully. He noticed the dwellings got larger as he made his way east. Must be where the bigger primals live. After a few minutes of walking, he found a simple fence built of timber. He found the gate that swung open easily and entered what he assumed was Minotown, a smile on his equine face. Cass and Lenny looked at each other, unsure of what to do. They saw that the bazaar was now closed on the way to the den, so that idea went out the window. Lenny was too excited to sleep just yet. She had a feeling Cass felt the same way. Want to take a look around? Oh, sure. This place isn't too big. We can pick rooms. Brutus isn't here. He gets last pick. Lenny beamed, and the two headed down in the hall to check out the different bedrooms. They each looked the same. There were four bedrooms, each with a large bed, dresser, lantern, and a window. Lainey was grateful for that last inclusion. Guess it doesn't really matter who has which. Lainey stated as they looked into the last room. No, guess it doesn't. They all seem the same. The two stood in the doorway of the last room they looked into, now unsure of what to do. Lainey looked about, especially at the ceiling, realizing that although the room looked nice, they were still under a small hill and were still underground. Hey, I've got a question. Lainey said to Cass, nudging her with an elbow. More like a request, I guess. Go for it. Cass looked into Lanny's eyes, curious what she would request now. Well, this whole den thing has me really uncomfortable. And well, and? Cass asked, not sure what Lanny was trying to say. Well, I've never slept underground before, and I'm not really liking this setup. I, uh... Lanny stumbled over her words. She didn't even realize what was coming out of her mouth. It just came up, like she was vomiting words all over. 
Before she even knew what was happening, her mouth ran off without her brain. Do you think you could sleep in here with me? The bed is plenty big enough. What? Did I really just say that? Lainey almost covered her mouth with her hands, shocked that she made the suggestion. Lainey hadn't even thought about this. It just popped in her head and skipped right to being said. She wasn't sure how Cass would respond, and in a second or two, Cass didn't speak. Lainey was mortified. Sure, I can understand that. That's no big deal. Lainey grinned and took Cass's hand, and the two stepped into the room. Brutus saw a small gathering of minotaurs around a fire on the other side of the long grass he was walking through. The night was dark as always. The stars were mostly covered by clouds, so the fire shone like a beacon. The fence he had passed seemed to mark out a section of pasture within the town walls. He crossed the length of grass and found another fence. Couldn't find a gate this time, so he hopped over the low fence without issue. Hello there! The minotaurs around the fire were startled a little bit as they were in conversation, but all had smiles quickly. Brutus immediately noticed he was the largest of the minotaurs present, his muscular build out of place among these minotaurs living in the wilds. Well met! One of them greeted Brutus as he walked up. The minotaur was old, gray-furred with a long shaggy beard. His horns, one of which had a deep notch cut into it, curled up away from his head. The old minotaur knocked his horns into Brutus's, jarring his skull. Brutus stepped back, raised his hands defensively. No need for that. It is how we say hello. Not used to minnows from the wild, eh? Uh, apparently not, Brutus said with a frown. I'll say, a fine-looking ball like this? Where'd you come from, boy? An even older female minotaur said without getting up. Her fur was a light gray that could easily be mistaken for white. Her eyes shone with cataracts and there was a large walking stick next to where she sat. Looks like a good worker to me, another male said. This one was younger, with a beard almost to match the old male that spoke first. He got up and gently knocked horns with Brutus. The jarring of the knock wasn't nearly as bad when Brutus was expecting it. Outsiders eat well, apparently. What you got all them muscles for if you ain't working a farm? Brutus was a bit overwhelmed at the introductions. He sat down at the fire to explain himself. Uh, I am a bounty hunter. I've come from the great city of Gaul to work as I see fit. At the moment, I'm escorting a human girl to the great city of Dron, but our path has gotten waylaid and our journey has been difficult. We hope to rest here for a time and be on our way. Your Lord Mel told me of you and I am very happy to meet other minotaurs. I've never met another of my kind. The other minotaurs looked at him slightly astonished. Never met another minnow? How's that? The younger minotaur that spoke up before asked. I was the only one in Gaul, as far as I ever knew. How'd you end up there, then? I was taken as a young child. I have very few memories of the wilds, but I know I belong out here. It's the main reason I took this job, to get out of the city. It cannot be. Brutus looked up to see another female minotaur walking towards the fire. She was younger than the old woman, but certainly older than Brutus. Excuse me, ma'am? How old are you? The woman asked, walking closer to the fire. Just then did Brutus realize all the minotaurs were dressed very similarly, very different from him. They wore tunics of simple colors, ruddy red, pale blue, dark green, short robes cinched with a leather belt. The males had geometric tattoos coloring their fur, and the females had decorations in their horns, ears, and noses. Their garb was simple, and none had musculature anywhere near Brutus's, but they were all lean and looked strong in their own right. I am 37, as best as I know. Why? The female minnow launched herself at Brutus, throwing her arms around his neck in an embrace, knocking her horns that stuck out from her sides of her head like Brutus's against his at the same time. Velo, I thought I had lost you forever. Brutus let the woman hug him, not sure what to do. The minotaurs around the fire smiled knowingly. 
ma'am, my name is Brutus. I don't know about this Philo you speak of. The woman backed away from Brutus, holding his huge face in her hands. Tears were running down her cheeks, but she was smiling. Her fur was the same tan hue as Brutus's, and the gears in his head started turning. I always knew my calf would have good manners, but Brutus, what an ugly name. You're my baby Philo. I can see it in your eyes. The woman backed away more, put her hands on his shoulders, and looked him up and down. My, you've grown, though, such a healthy minnow. Uh, Ma'am, Brutus started, reaching up to remove her hands from his shoulders. Enough of that. My name is Elena, but you can call me Mom. She sat and pulled him down by the hand. Tell me all about the great city, how you escaped. How did you know to come back here? I'm sorry you won't get to meet your father. He died when they took you. How did you get so big? What have they been feeding you? Tomorrow I'll show you how to farm, get you back on track. Elena, let the boy get a word in. He can't answer any of your questions if you don't let him talk. Elena laughed a little. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm just too excited. I always knew my Philo would come back, but I didn't know it would be today. I'll just need a moment. This is a lot to wrap my head around. I came here looking for others of my kind. I, I never thought I'd find my family. Young Brutus, walk with me a moment. Elena, please get the boy something to eat. He looks starving. Yes, of course. What do you like? Skunk cabbage? Lettuce? Carrots? Turnips? Oh, I'll just grab everything. Elena jumped up and rushed back to one of the buildings. The old gray minnow made his way to Brutus, who stood to meet him. Come, let us check on the pasture. I hope you didn't trample it too much with those huge hooves of yours. Brutus followed, rubbing the back of his neck in embarrassment. Laney and Cass laid in the bed next to each other, staring at the ceiling. Laney's thoughts were racing through her head. Now that they were actually sharing the bedroom, they were both a bit uncomfortable, not sure what to do now. Laney was nervous and excited. She liked Cass, but wasn't sure if she was overstepping her boundaries. But Cass had said yes. Besides, they were just sleeping. Not a big deal. She was really tired, too. Been a long couple of days. Cass had been distant since the monger attack, which Laney couldn't blame her for. Laney was very surprised that Cass had agreed to sharing a room. Laney tried to play it off as though she needed the comfort because of the being underground. But she knew Cass needed some of her own comfort right now, and Laney didn't know how else to help her but to be there for her. Laney didn't want Cass to drift away, not when she was just getting to know her better. Laney glanced over and saw Cass's eyes were closed, her face relaxed. Laney looked at her, appreciating how beautiful she was. Her skin was very dark in the unlighted room and very smooth. Her full lips were almost in a smile as she slept. Her crazy hair was tied up on top of her head to keep it from going all over in her sleep. Laney felt lucky to have met someone as amazing as Cass, even under the circumstances. Laney never liked anyone before. She had never felt that attraction in any capacity for anyone in Gaul. She had heard of boys having crushes on her because she was cute, as they said, but as soon as they got near her, they were scared off by her overwhelming personality. Laney never cared. She wasn't interested in them anyway. The boys from her area all seemed too weak and fragile. Like everyone else in Gaul, they were afraid of everything, including her. Laney always preferred the company of the Orcs and the Dregs, and Brutus, of course. Laney's thoughts drifted to recent events, wondering what was going to happen here. People of Set seemed friendly enough so far, but Laney wasn't sure how long they were going to be allowed to stay. Lord Mel didn't like the sound of the mongers behind them, who could blame her. That had been a daze, though, with no sign of the monsters, but Laney did not imagine they were free of them yet. She fell asleep the thoughts of that nightmarish morning, blood, death, was not a restful sleep. Brutus and the old man talked late into the night. So, young one, what do you expect to find here? 
the old Minotaur asked, unsure what kind of answer the young Minnow would give. I really have no expectations. I was only told about you earlier this evening. I guess I would like to learn more about being a Minotaur. I think you've learned all about that, the old Minnow said, patting his hand on Brutus's meaty shoulder. You must have lived a good life in the great city. I've never seen a Minnow as large as you. As for learning about being a Minotaur, there isn't much to it. Here in Sat, we are simple farmers and cultivate food for much of our community. Brutus looked out at the long grass in the field he had crossed without saying anything. We make good farmers and good crops, but I can sense you are looking for something more. Brutus slowly turned his head and to look the old man in the eye. More? Ah, here comes Elena with dinner now. Before we eat, we should meet properly. I am Bubla. My son, who spoke earlier, is Run, and my wife is Eka. Elena will feed us as we discuss matters. Brutus and Bubla made their way back to the fire. Is this all of Minotown? The four of you? Oh, goodness no. There are a few dozen of us. Most are asleep after a hard day's work. Those of us up are too stubborn or too old to go to sleep. My, I never dreamed there would be so many. Next to the Badgers, we have the highest population in set. We offer up farmers, craft minnows, and a few warriors. We are a proud people and are very glad to give so much. I am happy to hear that. I was always curious if my motivation to always work as hard as I can was personal or had anything to do with my race. A bit of both, I'd assume. Uh, Minotaurs are hardworking people. I think it is because we have energy that burns for a long time. Not like those fox primals that can sprint around for half a day and then have to take a nap. Our fire burns long and slow, as I'm sure you know. I've always noticed I don't need as much sleep as humans. That was why I would take time to train at night. Work on my strength. Spending much time on that, I see. Alina said as she handed Brutus a bowl of soup filled with root vegetables. I'm so glad my little Philo is not so little now, and healthy too. Brutus looked over at Bubla with a look that said, Can this be true? Let us speak about the loss of Philo tomorrow, Alina. Bubla said gently, taking a bowl of soup from Alina's hand. Tonight, our new friend would like to know more of his heritage. Our history is important. I'm just happy to have Philo back. Elena said, sitting next to Brutus with her own bowl of soup. What is it you wish to know, son? Brutus almost choked on his soup being called son. <clears throat> I honestly don't know. The basics would be the best place to start, I would presume. I really know nothing at this point. Then let us begin as far back as we know. Bubla cleared his throat and set his own bowl of soup on his lap. The Minotaurs are one of the oldest known primals. Our people have been part of every major military action as far back as history tells. We have always been a large, strong people, built for hard working in fields for long hours. No one grows wheat and barley like us. Oh, it's amazing, Brutus said as people stopped speaking to take a bite of soup. That's the boring stuff. Boring compared to the rest, true enough. Brutus finished his soup, which was rather good, and leaned forward, ready for more. Lainey ran down the corridor, sweat pouring from her skin. Her shirt was soaked. She tried wringing out the bottom, but it didn't help. Her feet pounded against the earthen floor. She heard scratching behind her. The wooden beams holding up the dark dirt ceiling were the only indication she was advancing along the straight path. The last light she passed was far enough back that she could hardly see her feet below her. She tried conjuring fire, but then remembered Ronan hadn't taught her how yet. He never got the chance. The rat thing had caught him already. Lainey's breath came in ragged gasps. She had to crouch now, scrambling as fast as she could in the narrow tunnel. 
Lainey Rista looked back. There was nothing to see in the darkness, but the scratching was definitely getting louder. Her cold sweat coated her entire body. The tunnel narrowed further still. Lainey crawled on her hands and knees. She clutched at every patch of dirt and the root she could get her hands on. The wooden beams were practically non-existent, but enough for the scratching to continue. Lainey crawled through the dirt as it pressed in on all sides. She had to wriggle through like a worm. The dirt got in her mouth, her eyes. Her hands were coated. Her fingernails were full of soil. She pulled herself forward with every ounce of strength she had left. Every inch was exhausting. Still, she heard the scratching. She dug her way through the loose soil until she found a pocket of air with her hand. She struggled mightily to shove her way through the last of the dirt, casting herself into a black abyss, falling down, down, down. Lenny woke on the floor of the bedroom, her shoulders sore. She was in a tangle of blankets, coated in a cold sweat. She swore she could smell the damp earth still under her fingernails. She looked around the room to make sure she was in the safety of the den. She was still underground, but at least here it was well maintained. She clambered back into bed and decided she needed something and crawled over to Cass's half to sleep closer to her. She reached out her arm to find Cass was not there. Must have had to use the restroom. She mumbled out loud and lay back down. Lenny figured she'd wait until Cass returned to try to snuggle a little bit. She needed it after that awful dream. The tunnel was something she never knew bothered her before, but it was very unpleasant. Lenny lay in bed thinking about her dream, what it could have meant other than what she already knew when she heard it, the scratching from her dream. She waited a moment to see if it was just a bit of an echo from her dream, but then it came again. It was somewhere else in the house. She got up slowly and took her tanto from the top of the dresser where she left it. She pulled in her pants quickly and crept to the door. She opened the strange round door slowly when she heard it again, coming from one of the other bedrooms. She swallowed hard and steadied her nerves. She held the tanto ready in the ration attack, the blade held backwards, pointing out from her hip. The den was constructed well and the floorboards did not creak. She made it past the other empty rooms toward Ronan's. She found the door slightly ajar. Not good, she thought to herself. She saw Ronan close it tight when he chose the room. Even if he got up at some point, she reasoned he would have shut it tight at his return. Lainey slowly pushed the door open, allowing the light of the hallway lanterns to fill Ronan's room. He was not there either. Very not good. She rushed to the washroom, hoping beyond hope that Cass was in there. She burst into the room. Hey, I'm doing my business. Get out. Cass cried, startled enough that she nearly fell off the latrine bench. Lainey sighed in relief and walked back out, leaving Cass to stare at the door, dumbfounded. Lainey checked the rest of the den but could find no trace of Ronan. She returned to his room and found something rather odd and worrying. His sandals, worn nearly to the point of uselessness, and his sword were next to the bed. No way he would leave these things on purpose. Not if he left the house. She grabbed the sword, not willing to leave it alone. It felt warm in her grasp, even through the scabbard. It filled her with a lightness she could not describe. The power of the blade bled through its casing, filling her with energy and strength. She stared at the thing in her hand and felt the same energy come from her tanto in her other hand. She couldn't suppress the feeling that she barely wanted this sword for herself. This feeling was intoxicating. No, it isn't mine. She shook her head as she said this aloud. Oh, what is it? Cass said from the doorway. Where is Ronan? He left his shoes? His sword? I figured he slept with it like a kid does with a soft toy. I don't know. He's not in the den. Well, that's not good. Cass said, her eyes wide. Yeah, that's what I thought. So what about the not boring stuff? Brutus asked, sitting around the fire with the other minotaurs. First of all, have you completed your mancha, your awakening? I cannot say I have. I don't have the faintest idea what that is. 
It is what connects us with the spirits. Our ancestors connect to us from the void as spirits. The void? Does it have anything to do with the sprites? What are sprites? You mean spirits? No, no. Ronan the Wanderer told, taught us about the sprites that created the world and can bestow elemental powers. Ha! <laughs> now you are teaching us, young one. I have never heard of these sprites either, but would like to know more. Teach me and I will have Ronan teach you, for I have told you about all I know of the sprites. Very well. The Mansha will connect you to your ancestors, granting you some of their knowledge. Mine told me to expect a visitor tonight. I trusted they were correct, but I never imagined it would be another minotaur from a faraway land. The knowledge can be tricky to understand. It often comes as visions. It is up to you to interpret them. Some among us fancy themselves seers and will interpret your visions for you, often for a price. Eka is quite talented in this respect, but I feel it is up to the individual to interpret their own visions. Oh, that's amazing. When do these visions happen? In a dream? Not usually. They're too difficult to discern from dreams that mean nothing. Everyone has a vision of some kind during their monsha, but visions can happen at any time after that, often when your mind is not taken up by something else. I, I am very excited for this. I was looking forward to learning about my heritage and culture, but I never thought I'd actually be able to literally connect with my ancestors. When can I do this, Mancha? Maybe tomorrow, if you're ready. Just tell me what I have to do. We can discuss more tomorrow. These old bounds are tired and the rest of you need sleep. Echo waved her staff at them to drive her point home. Yes, it's been a long day. I will rest up for tomorrow. I thank you for the food and tales. I will return tomorrow to prepare for this mancha. Good. You'll need it. Brutus smiled as he made his way back to the den. He was the happiest he'd been since he told Laney he would help her leave Gaul. This mancha was a mystery, but nothing scary. He assumed he could handle it. He stopped for a moment, wondering if he was acting a bit too much like Lanny. He knew nothing of this mancha what he could be getting himself into. He often chided Laney for being too reckless, and now he was ignoring his own advice. Brutus shrugged and decided he would sleep on it, judge these new minotaurs with more scrutiny in the morning. He should not drop his guard so easily, even for something as exciting as learning about his ancestry. There was virtually no activity in the town except for a small family of raccoon primals, bandits, out on their porch eating dinner. The sun was due to rise in a few short hours. The bandit family watched the burly minotaur pass without expression. The masked eyes followed his every footstep till he was out of sight. Odd, thought Brutus. Must not be aware of us outsiders. He continued on without another thought, ready for sleep. Brutus turned a corner, expecting to find the den they were staying in, but did not. He knit his eyebrows and turned around, trying to reorient himself. He heard rustling in the trees about him, noting for the first time he was near a large copse of trees. There were trees and other plants scattered about set, but here was a veritable forest within the walls. The rustling came again and Brutus looked about, unable to tell where the sounds were coming from. He heard a growl coming from somewhere, but the trees and nearby huts made it impossible to pin down a direction. Brutus clenched his fists and rolled his neck and shoulders, preparing himself. He sniffed the air, trying to scent any pheromones that might give away a potential attacker. Another rustle came and Brutus spun around, facing a large tree. Lost, stranger? Brutus turned to see a primal of some kind slinking down off the oak tree. Primal was long of body with dark, shiny fur. Its wedge-shaped head was small for its body, same as the short tail. I seem to be, Brutus replied, grateful that this was just a small primal, nothing to be afraid of. The creature was only the size of his torso. 
Have you seen a lupine named Hall around? He was guarding our den for the night. You knew here? The primal hopped out of the tree, its tail low as it made its way to Brutus on all fours, ignoring Brutus's question. Yes, I just came in a few hours ago, trying to find my den to get some sleep. My, you're a big one, ain't ya? Primal came up to Brutus's ribs, standing on his stubby hind legs and looked up into the minotaur's face. Relatively, yes. Can you help me find my den? All muscle, eh? I wouldn't know about that. The primal said as he flexed a short arm. Uh, mostly, you could say. I'll be on my way now. Nice to meet you. Oh, sure. Old Bren can lean you to haul. Bren finally addressed Brutus's initial question. He's been standing out in one place all night. Can't miss him, can it? Oh, okay. Thank you, Bren. I am Brutus. The primal slinked off, turning a different way from the intersection that led Brutus here. Curious individual, Brutus mused, but helpful. Took Bren only a few minutes to leave Brutus to haul in the den. Here you are, safe and sound. Bren's practically saying, bounding up the hall. Off with you, Bren, you pest. The lupine waved his paws of shooing a bug away. Helping your friend. Don't be talking to me like that. Bren scampered up the side of the building to be above hall. Big old brew got lost. Just doing my civic duty and helping him out. Not all of us can be a big nasty soldier. Bren shook his head and grimaced at hall, showing lots of sharp pointed teeth. Enough. Fine. Thank you, Bren. Now get off my building and go back to whatever you were doing. You're getting no handouts from me. Yeah, soldier types is all the same. Stiff lip and a tight purse. With that, the dark brown primal bounced off, disappearing among the rooftops in moments. He wasn't too much trouble, I hope. Hall ran his paw down his long muzzle and let that a long sigh. No, he was actually quite helpful. Lost my way heading back. That can be a little confusing to navigate for newcomers. Folks say it looks the same except for a few parts like the borough and Minnowtown. Make sure you check your pockets and purses. That one is a known pickpocket. Thank you for the warning. I would have to agree about set, but at least your citizens can be kind, even in the middle of the night. Sorry about that. All rubbed the back of his neck and showed his teeth in an embarrassed smile. Guess I should have given you directions for when you was coming back. Not a problem. I made it back safely and am ready for sleep. Good morrow, Hall. Good morrow, Brutus. Brutus entered the den and immediately heard running feet. He stopped in the entryway to watch Laney and Cass round the corner from another room with swords bared. Brutus held up his hands. What is going on here? Why are you two up? Sparring? He smiled at his bad joke to try to break the strange tension. Oh, it's just you, Brutus. Laney said, lowering the sword she was gripping tightly in both hands. Laney kept hers up and craned her neck to look past the minotaur outside. Were you expecting someone else? Brutus looked about, confused. Why do you have Ronan's sword? Just shut the door and we'll talk. Ronan is missing. I'm sorry the Wanderer has wandered away, Lord Mel was saying inside the burrow. But it would seem that is his nature. He didn't just wander away. He left things he always has on him. We need your help to find him. I would very much like to help you, but I've already spoken to Hall and he did not see anything out of place last night. Other than that Bren character, but it seems he was actually trying to help your Minotaur friend. There has to be something you can do. Think of all the Wanderer has done for you. Careful, human. I don't have to do anything that I don't want to. My job is to keep this town safe and happy. Again, I am sorry for your friend's disappearance, but my soldiers are currently engaged with keeping Set safe. There's been increased rotter activity as of late, and I cannot spare any of my patrol to help look for your friend. Lord Mel waved a clawed paws to shoo them out, and the guards stepped forward to usher the group from the barrow. Laney, Cass, and Brutus made their way back out of the burrow, walking out into the bright morning. 
How can she just sit there? She has her duties to the town, not to us. Well, it sucks. What are we supposed to do? Lainey crossed her arms and scowled. We'll just find them ourselves. This place is only so big. Can your Minotaur friends help us? We shall see after I complete the mansha. I understand it should only take a day or night. Can't that wait, Brutus? Lainey asked as the group made their way back to the den. I trust that Ronin is all right. He has survived this long. Sure, there's a logical explanation to this. So you're not going to help? As I said, I can help after I complete the mansha. After I, after that, I will do everything in my power to help. But I must do this first. I, I am sorry. Brutus stopped and turned. They had reached the intersection that separated the den and Minotown. I will find you as soon as I've finished. Good luck. I hope you find him well. Brutus clomped off towards Minotown, leaving Cass and Laney bewildered in the intersection. Well, fine. We will. Her face turned red with anger. We can do this just fine. But where do we start? Ronan awoke in a dark room. He was surrounded by bare earth. He felt all right, a bit groggy, but unhurt. He twisted his head to crack his neck and loosen up some tight muscles. He looked around and found that he was sitting propped up against an earthen wall, his hands tied in front of him. There was a door set into the earth across the way, a meter or so from his outstretched feet. He closed his eyes again and tried to see what he could without them. He felt into the ground he was touching. He brought his knees up so his bare feet could touch the earth directly. He held his breath and willed his heart to beat slower. He felt the movements within the earth almost as if it was an extension of his skin. He felt footsteps not far away and many more above him. There was too much interference to tell how far underground he was. It had been a long time since he used his abilities this way. Finally, he was forced to take a breath and his heart beat rapidly to make up for the slowdown. The sound of his breathing and blood pumping did not allow him to continue to listen to the earth. Still and set, he thought to himself. The footsteps did not feel like booted human feet. Ronan closed his eyes again, tired from the exertion of what he had just done. His knees cracked as his legs stretched out before him again. He was falling back to sleep when there was a voice at the door. Well, then. Ronan did not recognize the voice and could see nothing beyond the dark room. Good. Need to alive. Need spoils if it's on a corpse. Ooh. A lot of new characters. What? In that, that so many characters. Chapter. So little did I know that at the beginning when I made a D&D reference, uh, your question was going to be about D&D characters and classes. Uh-huh. Um, also, little did I know that talking about eating minotaurs earlier would lead into whoever this is <laughs> going to eat Brutus. <laughs> Wait, who's eating Brutus? Huh? I'm Somebody. Meat spoils if it's on the corpse. Eating Ronan. Yeah. Sure, whatever. <laughs> Somebody's getting at. It's wet, ain't it? <laughs> I really like that line. They're Meat getting spoils if it's on a corpse. They're getting at in set. Ah, you know what I'm saying? Ah, good one. So I'm trying to reconcile. Sometimes I feel like I am too much like Lanny, where like <laughs> they're like, "All right, we've got to find Ronan," and he's like, "Well." I've got to go do this like vision quest. And they're like, can't that wait? And on the one hand, I want to be like, yeah, Brutus, can't that wait? Because I know what's up with him. So I'm like, you need to go find your friend. But at the same time, like he's literally gone his entire life without serving like others. serving others yeah. and with no connection to like his Minotaur heritage or anything like that. So now he gets this opportunity and he's like, I'll help you as soon as I'm done with that. And so I feel like he deserves that. He's like a mom. <laughs> or everyone expects everything of you. And when you're like, you know what? I'm just going to go and get 
a pedicure. They're like, but but can't but you're you, gonna be gone for an hour? Can you get groceries while you're out? Like, no, I can't do that. You know, so I'm Wait like all year for my chocolate orange on Mother's yes. Day, and I didn't get my chocolate orange. Why do I do all this for everybody? It's actually a tough scene. I remember when Danny Beta read this for me, she brought that up and I changed it a little bit to have Brutus kind of explain himself a little bit more because she thought it was too out of character for him to just be like, no, I'm going to go do this first. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to add a little bit to that to to kind of get that point across that you were saying that, like, this is such a huge deal to him. Mm-hmm. Like, he has no idea about his past at all. He's never met other Minotaurs until just now. He can learn so much. And he's like, I, I just have to do this. So, like, they, Lainey and Cass can't understand because they're always around other humans. So, like, this right. is something that's just so primordially important to him that he has to go do it. Also, Ronan can take care of himself. You know well, what that- I mean? He shoots things and launches things and is old. And then, you know, is right, real he's old been also. around for thousands of years. <laughs> like, right. He knows right, that, that was Brut- part of Brutus's argument. It's like, obviously, he can take care of himself. He's been he's been on his own for a thousand years. Right. Like, he'll be fine. Yeah. It's, he's just he obviously he's making a bit of an assumption here. We see Ronan is in a bit of trouble. No, he's not spoiling. He's not spoiling yet because he's alive. Yeah. Right. But we don't know what. And like, who has him? So we, we see here that sets not all the safety that, you know, the safe place that looked like it was. I mean, it kind of is. Everyone seems really nice and helpful and everything's gone well, except for that hedgehog who was kind of a dick. <laughs> 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 you did a nice job with a little accent on the hedgehog Thank you. as well. I tried to make them sound more like country bumpkins kind of thing. An intruder. And Bren, you did great with Bren. You made him sound creepy. Sweet. Yeah. It was real creepy. And a little bit really bordering. good at high pitched creepy things. <laughs> I was gonna say it, he was a little bit reminiscent of your character in Grim Podcast: A Perilous Adventure. I Lucky's so I, accent. Uh, there was one part specifically where I was like, "Oh, I'm slipping into Lucky." You <laughs> just got one finger in and got right back out. You did a little bit, but I, I thought it was fine. If you had just done him as Lucky's voice, I wouldn't have yeah. minded, honestly. That was good though. Yeah, well done. I like Bren a lot because there's not. There are not a lot of characters like him in this. Right. Agreed. But that was, that was, I got to give props to the, uh, I guess, actors here. You we are, are classically you are voice trained voice actors. Sorry. Yeah, going. we showed up and got told to do voices. And, <laughs> um, yeah. Tim was promised to voice an orc, so he was, he was yep. good to go he for the rest like, of the I'm book. In. Yeah. Little did you know. Check. After <laughs> chapter four, <laughs> you don't get to voice him again. But I was actually thinking like after, what was it, last chapter when Tim didn't have any lines? Chapter 13. 13, yeah. yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. When like you didn't have anything and now you're like, wow, you're half the dang town. Well, and not only did I not have anyone to voice in that chapter, it was also after they all stinking died. <laughs> <laughs> You sit here and you think about what you did. So you have a bunch of new characters now. We'll That's, see how long they last. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Just um, saying, aggressive. you never know. I hope Bren lasts for a while. He seems like a pretty good guy. <laughs> I had a feeling you would like Bren. Yeah. Just the way he is. He's the people's villain. Yeah. You know, relatable. How is he a villain? He helped Brutus get back. He's real creepy, though. He's like, <laughs> oh, you're real muscly, aren't you? Like, What? <laughs> Right. Brutus should have been like, well, yeah, I eat plenty of you built bars. <laughs> uh, very honestly, he does probably eat a pretty considerable amount of build bars, which are, you know, relaunching their entire line of products really? um, at the end of uh, this next week. So by the time this one airs, yeah, they'll have a whole bunch of new stuff out. 
And what's great is Brutus being essentially a vegan, right? Because he's like cow-ish. So he eats a mostly plant-based diet. Yeah. It must be really hard for him to get protein to build those muscles. And Built Bars have that delicious, creamy protein center. You know? True. They're not vegan. Just about, right. just so everyone knows. <laughs> I mean, which typically any kind of protein supplement isn't right. vegan. It's vegetarian, though. Yeah, but if he's got like yeah. whey protein or something, like yeah. he's a cow, I'm sure he can drink milk. But I mean, how often yeah. do you get the the opportunity to take $10 to 10% off your first order yeah. of, you know, any brand new relaunched product by using code professional casual at checkout? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure if Brutus had a way to do that, he would to eat tons of Built Bars. Bren probably is just jealous that, you know, they don't have build bars in um, set, uh, but they do deliver everywhere in the world. So really, you could you should be able to. Yeah. So don't Bren's, be like Bren. Be like Brutus. Yeah. Get those muscles. I think that'll be a good tagline for a while. Don't be like Bren. Be like Brutus. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? When we were watching Stranger Things. They always tell Lily, don't be like Nancy. Don't be like Nancy. <laughs> Nancy in season one. Don't be like Nancy. After what's season wrong? one, she definitely got better. What's she's wrong with the, season one, Nancy? Because oh. she's just like too oblivious. Yeah, and like, oh, like her friend boys. got taken because she yeah. was all like, oh, 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 what yeah. letter of his name was? Not her fault. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of guilt attached. Don't be be like season two, Nancy. Yeah, she got kind of awesome in the other yeah, she seasons. Did. Also. Another thing about season one, Nancy, is, you know, maybe if there's some creeper just taking pictures of you all the time when you're not looking and making out with other dudes and stuff, maybe right? maybe don't become his best friend. <laughs> yeah. But well, she didn't know about the picture stuff. Right. God, so creepy. We're not doing a deep dive into Stranger no. Things, though. No. But we could. Yeah, we met a bunch of minotaurs. Yeah. Like, what, three more? Four three more. more. Two more so far. Four more. Four more. Bubla. The old man, yeah. Eka, the even older woman, Run was a younger, kind of Brutus's age, maybe younger. Mm -hmm. And then Elena. Elena, who calls Brutus Philo, yeah. claims that she is, he is her long lost son. I just got to say, can you imagine Brutus going around this world named Philo? <laughs> just the Brutus voice is so, I guess because I've always known him as Brutus. Yeah. And like the voice is such a Brutus voice, like. Oh, Philo, do you want skunk cabbage? Yes, mother. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Uh, I wanted to get, pick a voice that seemed very, that didn't fit him at all. Right. Um, and Philo, supposed to be kind of like a Philly. Right. Which, I mean, yeah. I oh, like a cheesesteak. So <laughs> <laughs> I see where this is going. Ooh, a no! cheesesteak. <laughs> no! <laughs> You're not going to turn Brutus into roast beef. Stop it. Well, no. Stop it. No, 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 no. Shaved steak. It's different. <laughs> God, it's the same cheese. thing. Still steak. Oh, Stop yeah. it. <laughs> Oh, you yeah. got mad when I killed all the other characters. Now you're trying to kill Brutus? Well, yeah, everyone should feel like how I feel. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. But yeah, so Elena thinks that Brutus is her son. And there's some evidence to support that. Was there? They have similarly colored fur. Oh, okay. They both have like tan fur. Her horns have the same shape as Brutus's, like a longhorn, where they go straight out the sides and then curve up at the ends. Mm. Um, her, she had a son go missing that was taken. Around like, it. yeah. And the ages match up. Yeah, the ages kind of match up because we learned that he's 37. I mean, I'm sure that it's very like, you know, you hear of these true crime stories where it's like a kid got abducted and then they're reunited. And then it's like, oh, wait, that's not actually my kid, you know, mm. where unfortunately there are children taken all the time. So things like that happen more often than you might expect. 
how often is like a minotaur taken? I don't know. It just seems like it's kind of like a once a one, one in a million chance. Right. And the minotaur population isn't that huge. True. So. So, you know, the truth, Danny. So I'm not going to ask you, but Tim, what do you do you think he is? Philo is Elena actually his mom? Mm. What's your prediction there? So uh, this is hard, man. I'm not going to tell you if you're right or not. Now you'll find out. Right. Um, So my assumption is that. um, Yeah, probably. But um, only because that's that's where I've been led. So, yeah, I don't think there's any framework to make me assume that she is incorrect outside of that. She is a woman and most likely crazy. There's nothing there (laughs) to lead me to the fact that she might be wrong. Um, So. okay, fair. Makes sense. To put it this way, like especially in like D&D games or or campaigns or um, things, I always over evaluate. So I'm like, no, it's probably not in the back of my head because that's too obvious. But sometimes things are obvious for a reason. Right. Sometimes the obvious is just what makes sense and what fits. Yeah. But we, we don't know yet. So in my heart of hearts, no, but most likely yes. Okay. And I, I, the, I believe in playing the heart of the cards. So <laughs> what about what was going on at the den? Maybe lock the door if you're going to take a poop. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I thought that part was funny because I people you know talk about like anytime you watch a show or read a book, no one ever uses the bathroom ever. And most of the time, that's because it's not necessary to include in the story. Like it's assumed right. it happens at some point. So right. I wanted to include something like that in there somewhere. And I just thought that was kind of a funny scene. She's like, get out. I do like because uh, I can see that cinematically too. like her having the dream, waking up. Everyone's gone. She doesn't know what's going on. She's tiptoeing around. Ronan's door is open. She opens another door. And it's like, hey, I'm pooping here. Get out. Hey. Yummy ball. And it can't turn stereotypically Italian. Huh? <laughs> All the people I've walked in on poop and have been Italian. That's what they've called me. Oh, yeah, meatball. Yeah, meatball. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> hey, ma! <laughs> uh, what do you guys think That's of good. Lanny's dream? I think it's really interesting that we're finally seeing something that I wouldn't say she's afraid of because she is the girl without fear, but like she does not like being underground. Right. We talked about this a little bit when she first experienced this at the borough where like, I still don't see it as her being afraid, but she's very uncomfortable with it. She doesn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. But like she had this dream about it, which obviously she had issues with. Like when I'm washing dishes, um, if I get some mayonnaise on my hand, (laughs) I'm not scared of it, but I am incredibly uncomfortable immediately. (laughs) I don't know. I've seen you react to mayonnaise. It seems kind of like a fight or fight or flight. I mean, it's, it's certainly it's on the edge. You know what I mean? Uh, like I think she's on the edge here. It's not quite fear, but it is a <laughs> yeah. Star startled. Startled isn't fear. It's like actually that's pre-fear. something we've talked about. Uh, Danny and I talked about in in earlier versions. There are times where Lainey would get startled, and we decided that was that yeah. would be against her. Like if I hide behind character. a door and jumped out, you're not scared of it. You're just startled. I feel like that's still fear, though. Like if you were hiding behind a door and Lainey walked around the court and you were like, she'd just be like, what? Oh, gotcha. Or she'd punch you in the face as a reaction. Okay. Like she would not be, she wouldn't go, she would just probably lash out. (laughs) We talked about with the fight or flight response. She always goes to fight every single time. She doesn't have a flight. She doesn't have that that fear response. Okay. So yeah, the whole underground thing is just uncomfortable for her. Then she heard the scratching. Creepy. 
which will come into play a little bit more in the next chapter. Chapter 16 is called Discoveries. So next time you find yourselves in Beverly Hills, make sure you go see our friends at the Beach Pit. Right. Rock over Albany. Rock out Ontario. Play-Doh. Give in to your grown-up tastes. listening why don't you go and check out all the other great shows that the professional casual network has to offer including season one of the space between presents i saw a tiger which follows the netflix smash series tiger king and details the acid washed antics of joe exotic carol baskin jeff lowe as well as others this season we're taking a deep dark dive into the four-part netflix docuseries jeffrey epstein filthy rich Big Fiction Energy is our audio drama pod in which Tim, Danny, and myself tell the story of Lainey, the Girl Without Fear, a fantasy novel by Dan. A grim podcast of perilous adventure is the Professional Casual Network's Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay Actual Play podcast. We're playing through The Enemy Within, which is widely considered one of the best campaigns of any RPG. Join Dan as the GM as Danny, Tim, Alexander P. Nelson, and JB try to survive the perils of the old world. And if you needed more deep dives, also check out The Space Between, which is a discussion and review of the best games, comics, and nerd movies of today and yesteryear. We also have Elite Eight Showdown with high-octane host Big Chuck and his research team. Join him while he financially ruins his partner Tim and completes an eight-team tournament bracket that could be about anything and everything. Lastly, we have Professionally Asked, Casually Answered, a totally real, totally fake advice show where we take questions and topics from you, our listeners, and do our best not to completely ruin your lives. Danny, where could people follow us or ask us questions for Professionally Asked, Casually Answered? I'm so glad you asked that, Tim. You can go ahead and email us questions. Our email address is theprofessionalcasual at gmail.com. You can also follow us and message us on Instagram at theprofessionalcasual. On Facebook, we're facebook.com slash professionalcasual. Twitter, we're at top tier casual. Our website is theprofessionalcasual.com. On Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash professionalcasual. And you can also check out Lindsay's Instagram at lindsayfphotography, where you can check out all of her great photos of abandoned places and events. What are some other things that people could find on our Patreon, Danny? They can find Sarah's doodles. They can find different vlogs. They can find lots of polls. I know Big Chuck's got a ton of stuff up there. It's all just a wild time. Extra bonus content, all of those things.